Uh, I think the most important thing that you can key in on is your attitude toward the inspection, towards meeting that customer, towards doing the best thing you can do for them. And doing the best thing is not walking out of the house and saying everything's fine. Doing the best thing is finding issues that need to be taken care of. You know, we talk about maximizing opportunity, but you need to have a mindset that you are going to do the best possible thing you can do for that customer that's right in front of you. Welcome to the Waste No Day podcast, a podcast specifically for and about the home services industry as it relates to plumbing, heating, air conditioning, and electrical. More than a podcast, Waste No Day is a credo, a determination, a mindset. It is a never-ending discipline. It is a refuse-to-lose pursuit. It is a wake-up call every morning to waste no day. Now here's your hosts, Brian Burton and Nate Minnick. Hey, welcome to another episode of the Waste No Day podcast. I'm your host, Nate. And I'm Nate's co-host, Brian. We have a new subject, and this time a new interview with you. We have Ed Gaiman joining us from Benjamin Franklin Plumbing. He is the service manager uh, of the service technicians there at Ben Franklin in Lancaster. And we're looking forward to hearing his expertise today. Uh, Our subject for today's podcast is going to be focusing on the excellent plumbing inspection or the excellent plumbing maintenance, however you want to refer to it. Uh, But basically... Plumbing maximizers. Plumbing maximizer. Yeah, there you go. We're getting into the home and we're going to do a once over uh, on the main plumbing elements. And we'll look forward to hearing from Ed on what exactly that looks like. But for right now, we welcome Ed. Hello. Great. Thanks for having me here. Yeah. It's good to have you, Ed. Uh, We're excited to hear from you and your your experience. I know you run a, a mean plumbing inspection yourself, or at least you did in former years. And Thank so you. we're really looking forward to tapping into that expertise. Thank you. Yeah. Awesome. Well, why don't you start us off here by telling us a little bit about yourself and how you found your way into the trades? Well, it's a bit of a varied journey. Uh, I, I uh, started off after high school uh, working for a local lumber company uh, from there, uh, I left. I thought truck driving was going to be a great thing. That lasted less than a year. I couldn't stand <laughs> sitting in a truck and being bored all day long. Uh, then uh, my brother and I uh, joined forces in a uh, small business uh, where we would uh, 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 repair uh, and refinish uh, collectibles and antique furniture, that oh, type of thing. Interesting. Uh, somewhere along that line, I met my wife. I uh, got married, and, uh, and we deci- I decided to go in a different direction. I uh, got involved in a tire uh, dealership, worked there for the next 18 years, ran the warehouse, did mechanical things, uh, worked a lot with people uh, in uh, service-related things, filling orders, uh, finding out what the – what their needs were as far as tires went and t- so forth. And uh, most of my life has been, a, uh, has revolved around uh, serving customers in one way or another, whether it was uh, going back to the lumber company days, uh, uh, pulling the orders and dealing with the contractors and just general walk-in trade to uh, uh, right through the uh, work with my brother uh, right up to today. Yeah, that's really interesting, Ed. So how long have you been in the plumbing field? I'm in my 17th year. Okay. Wow. So yeah. you have a, a quite a variety of, 
background there. Uh, yeah, uh, it's always uh, pretty much revolved around some type of a mechanical or working with my hands, yeah, hands uh, on business. Uh, I, I, I love it. If it's put together, you can take it apart and put it back together and figure <laughs> out how it works. You build Legos as a kid? Uh, no, uh, it was more like the construction, uh, okay. the old Constructo or, uh, yeah. you know, those, yeah, those like the erector games. Lincoln sets Logs. And that type of Lincoln stuff. Logs, yeah. yep. Nice, yep. nice. Yep. Do you still do any uh, type of, like, refinishing like you did with your brother? <laughs> That's interesting. I have an old uh, dresser sitting in my basement right now. Uh, it was a family piece, and it made a long trip till it got to me, but it's uh, not in the greatest shape anymore. So one of my projects is to take that thing apart and fix it up and put it back together. Yeah, really cool. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's going to be a long-term project there. Yeah, that's awesome. So what, what exactly got you into plumbing? I mean, how did you transition from well, <laughs> tires was the last thing, right? That's right. Tires into plumbing. Uh, that's an interesting <laughs> transition. You know, I, um, some people do it because they see the opportunity and the money. To me, it was a challenge. Something uh, new. Yep, it was something new. Uh, with the uh, tire dealership, I had taken that as far as I felt I could take it. I had kind of reached the top of my game there. Uh, I wasn't big into the sales aspect of it, and that would have been the next thing, going inside and working behind the counter. And I, I always liked being active and moving and, and that type of thing. Uh, and I was at a point where I wanted to make a change in my life. Uh, there were some personal things going on in my life at that point. Uh, and I was just looking for a new mountain to climb. And uh, uh, through a family connection, I learned about this here. I sat down with uh, Larry, uh, had an interview. The former and, owner. Uh, yep. yep. And uh, he said, if you're willing to take a shot with us, we'll take a shot with you. Hmm. And uh, it went from there. Uh, it, uh, with my mechanical background, it wasn't a hard thing for me to pick up. I had some of the... Uh, broader aspects of it already handled and uh, within six months I was in my own truck running on calls and stuff like that. Yeah, it's excellent. Excellent. Hey, really good stuff there, Ed, and uh, certainly an interesting journey. And um, I think I've said it before, but it's always um, intriguing to hear how people get into the trades. You know, it's usually through family or through playing with their hands and then one thing leads to another and then, you know, there you are turning wrenches and pipes and everything. Yep. So sounds like your story lines up with the typical yeah. That's great. Well, we want to dig into our topic today, which is the excellent plumbing inspection and focus on that um, for the time here. So I want to start off by having you answer this question, Ed. Uh, what is a plumbing inspection? That's a great question. I, to answer that uh, correctly, I think maybe it would be good to dive into the why. Okay. Why do you do a plumbing inspection? Um, you know, I, I, this sounds kind of silly, but you take it back to the thought of why do you brush your teeth every morning? Uh, you want to make sure your teeth last long. Now, that let's sounds let's hope corny. that everybody does that, right? As one of our guys is sitting here eating a muffin and taking care of his teeth right now. <laughs> Freaking Nate. <laughs> yeah, excuse me here. <clears throat> but, uh... A plumbing inspection uh, covers a number of different things. Uh, it's maintenance on the system. It's there to help increase the lifetime of the system. It's to make sure the system runs as well as it possibly can, as close to what it would have been as new. Uh, and it's to find problems with the system that uh, will uh, cause either discomfort or damage or whatever to, uh, to, the, uh, to the home. Uh, 
It involves uh, the uh, thought that you want to uh, give as much to that customer as you can and making sure the safety and the security of their home is good. Uh, and uh, it helps build relationships. That sounds really great, Ed. And I like that analogy of the brushing the teeth. Do you have any other analogies? I mean, it's certainly like turning the oil on a car, right? I'm well, guessing. yeah, you have that and checking the air pressure on your tires and stuff. Okay. Here's a, uh, the here's a real graphic example. I don't know if I can point directly to maintenance on this, but uh, there, uh, I lived through the Three Mile Island thing back in the 70s. And when that you boil that all down to a decade of cleanup, no, we don't want better. to boil anything down to three no. miles. I think that's I what we're trying to avoid. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, but uh, uh, you know, it comes down to pretty much a valve that didn't work right. Uh, it's one of the major things. There were some other factors, but uh, you know, I'm not saying that they didn't do maintenance on that uh, system up there. They would have had to, uh, but there was a failure there. Uh, had that been known about earlier and handled. Uh, you know, it would have saved a lot of people a lot of issues. Uh, you know, it, it's, it was critical enough to the point that uh, they were concerned about uh, a major catastrophe here in South Central Pennsylvania. Uh, so, you know, you can point to that and say, you know, had that problem been identified earlier and taken care of through maintenance or whatever, uh, it would have saved saved billions of dollars and, you know, Major, major civic upheaval. Absolutely. And that uh, movie, what was that, The China Syndrome? China Syndrome came out right about the same time. Jane Fonda, uh, you know, Jane Fonda put her spin on it too. But uh, mm. uh, it, uh, it, it mirrored a lot of what happened there with uh, Three Mile Island. So what you're saying is a plumber's running an inspection. The client asks, what happens if I don't replace this anode rod? The plumber says, have you ever seen the China Syndrome? <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever heard of Three Mile Island? <laughs> For those of you not familiar, Three Mile Island is a nuclear power plant. Um, that's actually, I believe, it's in its process of being de decommissioned at this mm -hmm. point. But uh, it's shut down completely now. Yeah. yeah. Well, really good, Ed. I, I like those analogies, and I certainly think a lot of people can wrap their head around that, whether you're a plumber or a homeowner. So, what would be like some high-level stuff that you would hit in one of these inspections that you would review or investigate when you're in the home? Well, the three major things that cause plumbing deterioration are water pressure, water quality, and the age of the system, mm -hmm. wear and tear. Uh, and a, those are three things that you really have to look at closely. Uh, everything that happens uh, in deterioration to the system typically come from one of those areas or one or more of those areas. Uh, so uh, when you're looking at the inspection, you want to look at the wear and tear on the, on the system. Uh, you want to look at water pressure, how much pressure is in the home, how much, uh, uh, you know, how that is going to affect the system, and then your water quality issues. Uh, stuff that's in the water eats away at the pipes uh, in one form or another. So you want to take a look at that closely. And then as you filter that whole thing down, you know, then you start looking for parts of the plumbing system uh, that are causing issues that affect the whole system. And that's really what the, the inspection is about. Yeah, that makes a lot of well, sense. From a technical aspect, anyway. Right. And from a customer's perspective, I think I would understand why this would be important. Obviously, water in the home, outside of where it's supposed to be, like the pipe or the drain line, uh, is a bad thing. 
mm-hmm. right? I mean, it causes damage. You know, every year there's probably millions and billions of dollars worth of plumbing-related yes. house damage. Yes, I've uh, seen some some horrendous damage. In fact, right now at the uh, at the recording of this podcast, Texas just got done with a huge winter storm that froze tons and tons and tons of pipes. Yep, uh, which results in catastrophe. I mean, not only do all the pipes need replaced, but there's when the water, the ice melts, you know, you have water damage on top of it and everything. So it's just a a complete nightmare. Yep. And that's, you know, a really concentrated situation, but that situation, maybe not frozen pipes, but leaks or -hmm. those types of things can happen any place, anytime and have significant financial loss tied to them. Yep. Absolutely. Okay, so I understand why it would make sense for a customer to be interested in this. Why does it make sense for a plumbing company to do this? Well, from the uh, plumbing company standpoint, uh, number one, it builds a good relationship with the customer. Uh, The fact that you have a technician who's concerned, experienced, I should say, and uh, and, uh, concerned about the system, the plumbing system in a customer's home, uh, just builds good rapport with the customer. Um, from a revenue standpoint, uh, getting back into the home and seeing things that need to be taken care of helps with uh, the overall financial picture with the company. Uh, to take the relationship idea even deeper, though, I, I was blessed with the opportunity to serve many customers who wanted me back in their home on a repetitive basis. And they I got were, to develop a relationship. They were requesting Ed Gaiman. I'm sorry? They were requesting Ed they Gaiman. They would request Ed Gaiman. They, they yeah, still my, do. My Non-stop. name was on the customer's account. Uh, and I loved that. I loved that. It gave me a lot of control over my schedule. For one thing, I, I, I knew where I was going and what I was going to be doing. Uh, but just uh, just walking through life with some of these people was, was great. Uh, and it, it, you became a trusted ally guide with those people yeah and that's i I think that's something that um people might not think about necessarily is the power of a plumbing inspection to create that relationship because Mm -hmm. it's generally longer right than than a normal demand call i mean other than like the long fixes and stuff like that but you're not there for a specific like, hey, here's the leak, here's the fix, quick, get in and get out. Mm-hmm. You're here to basically talk about prevention, to talk about potential problems. And so yeah. by nature, it's a longer appointment, similar to like when you go to the doctor for your annual physical, yep. you know, it, it's not a 15 minutes, hey, Ed, you're looking good. It's a, it's a 45, 60 minute, hey, Ed, let's talk about the health of your body. Let's talk about your diet. Let's talk about, you know, your blood pressure. Let's mm-hmm. talk about the factors that are contributing to some of these symptoms we're experiencing. Yep. Yeah, that sounds like my last doctor's visit. He said either you take this medication to get your cholesterol down or you do something better. (laughs) I decided something better. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so what what other – okay, you said the three elements there, and I'll see if I got them correctly, is water pressure, water quality, and age of system. Mm -hmm. So how does that practically play out into the home? Like where do you start? I always wanted to start by uh, building some type of a relationship with the customer. Uh, You know, obviously people that I had been back in their home multiple times, it was easy just to pick up from the last time you were there. You know, hey, how's your family? How's the, you know, what are your kids doing at this point? Uh, How's things working here plumbing-wise? 
when you go into a new customer, it takes a little bit more. Uh, you have to uh, get to a point that you're comfortable. I typically like to get to the kitchen table. Uh, people gather around a kitchen table and are very comfortable. Uh, sit down, uh, find out a little bit about them, uh, find out a little bit about the things that concerned them about their plumbing system. Uh, take notes, always wanted to write this stuff down. Uh, and, uh, and then uh, I, after I had that information, I would explain what the, I was going to do. You know, I was going to take a water quality test. I was going to start the kitchen sink, do the water quality test, gather that information. I wanted to go to the to the basement and see where their equipment was placed. Like, is the water heater close to a sump pump? Do I need a 50-foot hose or a 25-foot hose? Uh, and wh what, why would you need a hose? Uh, to flush out the water heater. Okay. You learn a lot about a water heater just by flushing it out. Uh, said every colonoscopy out there. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, what kind of water heater? Is it gas? Is it electric? Uh, power vent? You know, what type of fuel? Uh, and then, you know, after I had that information, I would walk around the outside of the home, do water pressure checks. Uh, I would have a water quality test done by then. Uh, walk around the outside of the home, do water pressure checks, check the roof line for venting, uh, stop by and check the uh, dryer vent out to see if it was clogged up or not, uh, and then go to the truck, get whatever tools I needed to do the rest of the inspection and head back inside. From there, I always had a system. I, over time, uh, let me just uh, kind of segue out here for a minute. My first plumbing inspection I did here, I had no idea what I was doing. I was handed a bunch of papers and told to go do a plumbing inspection. <laughs> uh, and, uh, you know, that was early on in my, uh, my career here. Uh, and I had no training on it. And thankfully, the, the customer wasn't home. And I think it took me something like five or six hours. Because I just took this list of papers and I took the top item and I went and checked that area. And then the next spot was completely across the home. And, you know, I'd have to walk over there and check that area out. And then it was back across the home to something else. And... Uh, I figured this is kind of crazy because I'm walking all over the place. So I developed a system uh, where I would meet the customer, talk to them, find out what it was that they were concerned about. Uh, and then from there, I would do my water quality test, go to the basement, look around the basement, uh, head outside, get those checks, and then get the stuff I needed, come back to the basement, and go to the water heater at that point. Uh, and the main house shutoff valves. I wanted to make sure that they were in good condition. Uh, hook up a hose to the water heater, run that water into a container, typically a white bucket, so I could see what the condition of the water was, and then take a sample that way, and then run the rest of the water off to the sump pump, if that's what was available. And then check the sump pump operation, do checks through the water heater, such as your electrical tests on the elements and so forth, uh, after I had it flushed out, pull the anode rod, check that out, check the relief valve, uh, make sure that those were all good. Water pressure checks by that point, I knew what the water pressure was in the home. Uh, and then all the other things that are in the basement you find, the expansion tanks, the pipes, the valves, the drain lines. Are the drain lines supported? Are they sagged? Are they uh, go in a, in a nice even uh, slope? towards the outlet uh, and there was times I'd even pop the clean out open on the uh, on the uh, 
line where it left the house, the drain line where it left the house, and looked back in to see what it looked like heading out to the trap. Um, and then from there, then I would move up through the house to the bathrooms. Uh, I always wanted to do the bathrooms and the first floor and the second floor last. If I had gotten air into the system, I could take care of that right away. I could see if the uh, aerators had, uh, had uh, scale buildup in them. Um, you know, how did the toilet look? Did it run okay? Was there any water drops underneath it hanging on the bolts? What was the condition of the parts inside the tank? Right on up through. You know, it, it was a process that developed over time, uh, but once I had the system down, I did it the same way, time after time. And by and large, I very seldom did I miss any particular part in that system. Yeah, and that system is kind of what I wanted to focus on now. So it sounds like originally you kind of just were winging it, you might say, you know, running from this side of the house to that side of the house and everything. I had no idea where I was going. I, well, I, you know, I, it's my job to figure this out. So I'm going to figure out how I'm going to do it, and I'm going to make it work. All right. So I'm a brand new plumber, or I'm newer to mm -hmm. the career, and I need to go do a plumbing inspection at a customer. What would be some tricks of the trade, you might say, for me to create my process? Well, that's a great question. And I, one thing I point to a lot of times with newer guys, especially guys who aren't sure what to look at first. Uh, in our uh, Fluix, uh, in our iPads, there's an old plumbing sheet in there, and it's six to ten pages long of different things. Uh, if you take that, that form, you're not going to miss anything. Uh, so, you know, that's a great place to start. And that's actually the type of form that I use to start out with. Okay. And what if, what if some of our listeners don't have access to that form? You know, what where, if they don't, they start? then I would suggest that uh, they work from large to small. Go to where the large parts of the equipment are, such as your water heater, the basement, and so forth. And then work from there down to the more, smaller parts of the system and make sure that they work. I really like that. Um, and I've heard different strategies on that. So I appreciate large to small. Do you, lar do you do large to small for the entirety of the house or do you large to small within each room? Because obviously I'm thinking one of the smallest things you're going to get to is like an aerator or a valve, which mm -hmm. is going to cause you to go from like all the rooms in the house the whole way around. And there's going to be a lot of walking. So do you wait to the very end to do all valves and aerators or do you do large to small within the room that you're in and then work that way? You know, Nate, I never really thought about that way, but that's a good analogy, actually. And yes, that's what happened. You know, I would large, start large to small uh, in the basement, you know, water heater, drain lines, down to valves. And then I would go large to small in the bathroom. I would walk in. Typically, I went to the toilet, which is a larger thing. I would flush it. While it was refilling, I was checking the inside parts of the tank, the fill valve, the tank-to-bowl bolts, the seals. Uh, the flapper, you know. Uh, again, as it's refilling, I would kneel down, I would turn the valve on and off to make sure that it actually shut the water off. Does it leak? Does it drip if you do that? Check the uh, supply tube going up to it. Is it rusty? Is it corroded? Is it whatever? Uh, around the base of the toilet, make sure there's no water lying there. Shake the toilet, make sure that it's secured to the floor, that it doesn't move. Uh, there's no play there. Uh, play there uh, would indicate a compromised seal on the uh, wax ring. Uh, 
uh, look in between the tank, look underneath the tank, see if there's cracking on the tank, see if there's any water stains down there where water would have worked its way through a crack. Typically you'll get some type of a greenish stain there. Uh, is there any drops of water in the vault? So yes, it was from large to small. Go over to the faucet uh, at the sink. Turn the water on. Check left and hot, uh, hot and cold, left and right. Uh, pull the stopper. Get down underneath the sink. Shut the valves off while the water's running. Make sure they turn off. Check for leaks. Check the trap. Check the pop-up assembly, the rocker arm, where it comes out of the pop-up assembly. Uh, is there leakage around that seal? Look at the trap. Does that look good? Uh, if there's a uh, an auto vent in there, make sure that's operating. Um, and right down to the floor of the cabinet. Uh, you know, does everything is everything dry? Is is there any uh, rust or corrosion or on any of the supplies? Sure. Kind of thing. So yeah, it was an, a large to small setup the whole way through. Okay. I never really thought about that, but that's a that's great. So do you are, are you taking notes the whole way along, or, or is the customer on your side, or how does this? How are you documenting what you're seeing? Notes, notes. I never wanted to go into an inspection without having a notepad with me. Uh, I'm not Is that the, like, a, like a yellow, like a legal pad or something like that? Or are you typing this up on your iPad? Or? I've done it both ways. Um, again, a little oh, bit, I'm a little bit old the, school. For those here. who can't see with their ears, Ed just held up a yellow notepad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've done it both ways. And for me, it was always, always easier to do it on a notepad. And I wrote everything down, you know, uh, from the very get-go. When I'd sit down at the kitchen table and talk to the customer and ask them about their plumbing system, uh, you know, the, what their concerns were. If they told me they had a leaking toilet in the master bathroom, I wrote it down. I wanted to make sure I keyed in on that so I could come back and talk to them about it. Um, as I went through the inspection, some customers wanted to be right next to me. And, you know, that presents a lot of opportunity uh, but it oftentimes will take a lot of patience, too, uh, because the customer is going to want to know about every minute thing that you find. Uh, you know, for example, uh, the toilet fill valve is leaking or not operating correctly. Why? Well, it gives you an opportunity to take it back to why this failed. Water pressure, water quality, age. Uh, but it also means that every leaking fill valve you find in the house, you're... you're you're going to have to talk about. Uh, <laughs> Education is a good times, thing, generally. What's that? Education is generally a good thing, right? Education the client. Education. Yeah, that, that is something I learned a long time ago. Educating the client on what's going on is one of the biggest things. Another way of looking at it, back in my tire days, we'd have sales training where they would say, put the problem or put the tire, the product, in the customer's hand. If you do that, you get them to touch and feel it, they'll buy it. Uh, so visually... With words, I always tried to put a problem or a situation in their hands so they could touch and feel it. Um, I like that. So, so does that mean, uh, like, give me, a common, give me a common example of a failure that you would come across. Oh, and an inspection? Oh, my. I, you would come across valves that would leak. You would have almost, uh, you would almost always find some type of an issue with a toilet. Okay, so let's let's go with valves there. It's mm -hmm. like when in in your illustration of saying put it put it in their hands. Oh, like, do you um, actually how they have put it them? Into their hands. Do you have them turn the old valve? Do you have a new valve with you that you can like show this is how it's supposed to operate? Mm -hmm. What does that look like? Yeah, you can do that a couple different ways. Uh, typically, if I found something like that, I wanted to take the customer to the problem 
and show them the problem. And I wanted them to see it. Uh, and yeah, there, was, uh, there would be times where I would have a new valve there and I would say, this is how it operates. Uh, how it's supposed to operate. How it's supposed to operate. How it's supposed to operate. And then I could point out the differences between their old valve and their new valve and how the new valve was uh, better constructed and would last longer for them. Simpler to operate, that type of thing. But, uh, you know, it's getting the customer to the problem to see what it is. You know, even if they're just standing there while you're describing it to them, is a form of taking that problem and putting it in their hands so they can touch and feel it. Yeah, I like that. And, and certainly there's a, a, a real effect of being able to touch and feel something as opposed to just sitting down and, like, reading a note on your, your you know, your iPad or your legal pad that says needs review. Mm -hmm. There's something special about actually going to that valve and having them try to twist yes. it or pointing out, like, see this green corrosion here, like, mm -hmm. and, and showing them a brand new pipe. Uh, and, the, you know, the, I mean, shoot, take it back to kindergarten, right? Yep. Show and tell. Yep. Yep. Show and tell. <laughs> yep. Okay. Absolutely. So uh, kind of uh, circling back on the process, uh, big to small, room to room, take notes along the way on, on all that you're finding there. Is there anything else in the process that a plumber should be um, considering? Look at the big picture. Uh, what does that mean? Well, uh, I just did some training with one of our techs up here at the, uh, at the well tank here at our office. Um, and, you know, the first thing he wanted to do was go in and take a look at the switch. Step back. When you walk into a bathroom, Stop inside the door. Look. What looks right? What looks wrong? Get a feeling. You know, do you see water staining around the toilet? Do you see a, uh, the tub faucet with uh, staining in the tub indicating dripping? Uh, get a bigger picture of what it is you're looking for before you just go directly to, the, to a, a specific issue and just concentrate on that. Yeah, what's that saying? Don't miss the forest through the trees? Yeah. Yeah. So, so don't, don't just go straight to the small things. Like before you mm -hmm. walk in there, take a look and just do a visual examination and think before you act, right? Uh, absolutely. Another analogy would be like climbing Mount Everest. You look at Mount Everest, it's a huge mountain, but you're going to climb it one step at a time. Uh, so, yeah, you want to see the big picture, but then concentrate down to your one step at a time. Okay. I like that. And, and certainly it helps um, both you as a plumber and the homeowner like be on the same page as far as mm -hmm. big picture. And I'm assuming that probably comes up before you begin the inspection as far as like, are there concerns? Do oh, you absolutely. have any issues in the home? Mm -hmm. All that. Okay. Um, Ed, if you could, if you could whittle your tool bag down to the essential tools that you would need to conduct a plumbing inspection, what's in your bag? Great question. I dedicated a smaller, I think it was a 12 inch bag, uh, to, uh, just plumbing inspections. I called it my show and tell bag. I like kind that. of snarky, but uh, uh, it it was it had just the essential tools in uh, a, a six and one screwdriver, uh, a six inch channel locks, a ten inch channel locks, a twelve inch channel locks, uh, a roll of paper towels, a little bit of pipe dope and some uh, tape, an air gauge, uh, a pressure gauge to do water pressure checks with. Uh, I had uh, I had a uh, I still have the bag. I, it's one of the things I keep in my truck now in my role as service manager. Uh, Six-inch um, adjustable wrench. Um, my electrical tester. Uh, 
And I'm guessing the water, water quality test in there, too. Uh, yeah, that was a separate kit. But, yeah, I carried that in. Carried in, too. Um, um, a knife. Um, those were pretty much the essential things. And each of them had a function. Uh, obviously, your electrical tester, when you're checking out the electric water heater, you need to check the elements uh, for resistance or amp draw, uh, make sure that the voltage coming in was correct. Um, uh, another thing that was in my tool bag was a hose. A hose and a five-gallon clean white bucket. Had to be clean. This must have been one of those tool bags that was bigger on the inside than it was on the outside. <laughs> well, with multiple pieces, you know. <laughs> uh, the and each of those each of those tools had a purpose, uh, you know. Obviously, the uh, water pressure water pressure gauge. I wanted to know what water pressure was, uh, and I wanted to check all the outside faucets while I was doing a water pressure check to make sure they're all working. It was a good way to figure out if they're working. Um, you know, those uh, other uh, incidental tools. You know, I needed to take stuff apart to check it out. Um, you know, if I had to pull an anode rod, here was another, here was another uh, tool that was indispensable, uh, was uh, an impact wrench, an electrical impact wrench. Now, that stayed on the truck unless I felt there was a need for it. Uh, but uh, that would be to pull anode rods out of the water heater and check them out. Yeah, so I, I kind of relate that all to going to the doctor. Like, when you go to the doctor in the small doctor's room, there's only a few tools in there, right. right? I mean, you have a temperature gauge, you have a blood pressure cuff, you have the, uh, you know, the, the thing with the light on that they stick up your nose and your ears and your eyes and all that stuff, yep. a stethoscope, um, a, a few other like hand tools, you know, the reflex hammer and all that type of stuff, but not, not a lot more in there. I mean, you don't see it, the rib spreader sitting over there in the corner. That's right. You're just like wondering what that thing's there for. It, it's really slimmed down. Mm -hmm. But it's the essentials that allow you to conduct the physical exam of, right. of your patient or of the home. Yep, that's right. And then if you needed heavier tools, you had access to them. Absolutely, and that's what the truck's for. Yep. Okay, so let's talk about that transition then. So you've conducted the inspection. Mm -hmm. You've done the excellent plumbing uh, review of the home. And um, it's, it's now time to sit down and go over notes. One thing that I think plumbers and, and home services professionals at large struggle with is tunnel vision mm -hmm. or, or the critical eye, right? So you go in and you just see stuff left and right. <laughs> like, whoa, yeah. look at that valve and whoa, look at that, that drain line and whoa, look at this, uh, this 35 year old water heater that's tilted to the side and all this stuff. Like you have all these things that need fixed, right? And the homeowner is not thinking about any of that stuff. Mm -hmm. They're thinking like, oh, okay, cool. He's just going to make sure things are good. Just like when I go to the doctor, I'm not expecting to be told anything outside of, hey, everything looks healthy. We're doing fine here. Yep. But now you're the doctor and you have to deliver some news that's not expected and not welcomed. So how do you get from the critical eye guy over to the Mr. Nice guy at the table? And let's talk about your plumbing health system. That's a tough question, Nate. Uh, and again, it's not something you develop, at least for me, it wasn't something I developed overnight. Uh, number one, having a relationship with a customer will help soften that. Uh, so, you know, being a, what you could call a trusted consultant helps. Okay. okay. And what, what does that mean, Ed? What does being a trusted consultant mean? 
you're not there to sell them anything. Okay, it's why home. are you there? What's that? Why are you there? You are there. You are there to look at the condition of their plumbing system and to present them with a report on what it is that's not working, okay, or not working well. You know, I, I always broke my report down into uh, basically two categories, maybe three. One was crisis, one was something that's going to cause a near-term problem, and then something long-term, okay? When you did an inspection on a home that needed a lot of stuff, and I did a lot of them, I, I always viewed it as my responsibility was to tell them what they have, give them options on how to take care of it, and then they had to make a decision what they wanted to do. So that's what I'm asking. Like, do you sugarcoat stuff? No, I won't sugarcoat it. I'm not going to tell you that your water heater is going to blow through the first floor root and first floor and go out the ceiling either. <laughs> I've seen that unless, on Mythbusters. It is possible. Unless, <laughs> unless I found a good reason to say that. And I would, have to have, I would have to have evidence of high water pressure to do that. And, you know, uh, and also evidence at the, at the water heater that there was going to be that type of problem. Okay, so you don't sugarcoat it, but you don't exaggerate it either. No. You just shoot them straight. Shoot it straight. And, you know, uh, you, don't, you don't want to get yourself bound up in it that, uh, how shall I say this? At the end of the day, at the end of the day, a customer's home is their home. It's their responsibility. It's their problem. Uh, your job is to present them with the evidence that you got, the knowledge that you have on how to take care of it and but it ultimately it's their responsibility you can guide them to what could happen if they don't take care of it uh but you 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 can't make that final decision for them to go with it and you have to be comfortable with what they say one way or the other so you said you need to be a, a trusted professional mm -hmm. what what are the opposites of that what's like the the extremes well, and bef before you answer, I will say that before Ed came out of a truck or came out of the field, he had probably at least one of the highest ticket averages we've ever seen here on plumbing inspections. And his clients would refuse other techs to the point I, I was uh, in the field with Ed before I came out of a truck. I got to a lady's house who had said she would prefer Ed uh, come to the house for her plumbing inspection. Ed was on an all-day job, it turned out, and they just sent me. And she was staring at me through the bedroom window, calling the office, saying, he's not coming into my house. I'll wait for Ed. <laughs> <laughs> and this and this happened to a lot of guys that were in the field when Ed was. Um, and what they always said was, despite the fact that he had one of the highest ticket averages on inspections we've ever seen, what they always said was, I don't want to want one of those plumbers that's going to try to sell me something. I want Ed. And Ed would go sell him everything. <laughs> okay, yeah. so Ed, what, what does it look like? I mean, what is one of those plumbers that tries to sell them something? What do they look like? <laughs> That's a tough question to answer. You know, Nate, I, I, I never tried to analyze it down to that degree. I just, I wanted people to trust me. I wanted people to think well of me. And I wanted the, the work that I did to speak for itself. And uh, 
uh, you know, for a new guy coming into it, I would, uh, my advice to him would be is relax, take your time, look at the situation over, present your, your uh, findings to the customer, uh, answer their questions, and let them decide how they want to move forward. See, I think, I, I think I, you... I, 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 I'm not. I'm not answering your question. No, I think but the, the, the difference. Your... The difference in those two. Those two technicians is the quote unquote salesman is clearly in the homeowner's eyes there to make a sale, like there to get some commission, there to not leave without something quote unquote. Versus the professional. Now, this is an easy explanation. It's a much tougher thing to train and an even tougher thing to hold yourself accountable to. But the professional and what Ed did in a truck every day was exactly how he described it. He's there for their plumbing system. The responsibility, the decision, the choice is all yours. I'm just here to make sure your plumbing system is running tip top. And then maybe even make some recommendations on how you could be more comfortable or how you can get better enjoyment out of your plumbing system. But that that's the difference in what I saw before Ed came out of a truck and some of the you know, lesser professional guys who just came off to the homeowners like salesmen. See, Ed, and I think, I think the reason that you struggled to answer that question is because it's just you. Mm -hmm. Like you're inherently a sincere guy. That's your personality. You're not there to make a sale. You're there because you actually care about the client you're with and their home and you, you want the best for them. Yes. And I, you know, as I'm sitting here listening to what you're saying, I, I think, Attitude uh, probably is a, a great word to point to. Uh, you know, it's, it, my attitude was number one. I wanted them. I wanted. I wanted to give that customer the best experience I could. And number two, I wanted to make sure that their home was in better condition when I left than when it was when I got there. So, what about the other extreme? Um, so, you would have the guy who's like pushing hey, you got to do this, something's mm -hmm. going to blow up, it could flood your whole basement, et cetera, et cetera. What about the other extreme where, hey, everything looks good? Yeah. Plumbing systems are mechanical. It is rare that you won't find something, uh, you know, unless you happen to get there uh, the first year after everything was replaced. But there was almost always something that needed to be taken care of. Uh, I had, early on in my career, as this was developing for me, one of the secretaries said to me, every time you come back in from a plumbing inspection, we have to schedule a return visit for you to do the work, <laughs> okay? And she said, it's, you know, you're the only guy that does that. And I said, well, it's not that hard. All I got to do is open up my eyes and look. Hmm. You know, I, I was being a little sarcastic there, but at the same time, that's all it took. You had to look, but you had to look. You know, you couldn't just gloss over it. You couldn't just glance around. You had to flush the water heater out. You had to pull the anode rod. You had to run the water. You had to turn the valves. You had to look, you know. And it meant sometimes crawling back in a crawl space to look. So, you know, it, it, the, the, the desire to make sure I did the best I could for each and every customer drove what my activities were there in that home. I love that. So, Ed, I'm, I'm curious about this question because you self-described as having repeat customers that you would go back to year over year over year. And I know for some, 
there's a negative connotation to like, uh, 10th time we've done the plumbing inspection at this house. Mm -hmm. Or like, yeah, wow, we were just there three times this year, whatever it may be. How did you handle that? And, and why were you still successful in maintaining not only the relationship, but as Brian said, a high ticket average? The, <laughs> I just enjoy going in and seeing them again. You know, I, I focused on the relationship in those cases. Uh, and in most cases, there was something that needed to re, be done, even if it was just a UV bulb or something like that. Uh, those things that take that yearly maintenance. Uh, and if everything was, if, if most things or everything was fine in the home, you could say, hey, great, you know, your home's in great shape. You're good to go for another year. And it uh, would make, the, make people feel good. And then I would move to my next call. And whatever that was, you know, if it was another inspection, hey, then the next one more than likely would have plenty of things to find and plenty of things that needed done. Yeah, and I so, think it's that focus, that focus that you have on the client and that trusted professional experience that you, that you delivered that every once in a while there was a year when everything was in tip-top mm -hmm. shape and that actually worked in your favor in building trust. Absolutely. That way the next time, the next year you come around and you say, hey, this year something's not in as good of a shape, they're like, oh, okay, well, that makes sense. I mean, it's been, it's been two years since anything has been in concern. That's right. That's right. Now, Ed, uh, as we kind of wrap up here, I want to take you back to the early days when you were as you said, just starting off and you didn't know necessarily what you were doing. As a mechanically minded person, um, it can be easy to be very pragmatic, which has its advantages, mm -hmm. but pragmatic people can often come off as cold. Yeah, they can often be struggle. received as like, Ugh, what's, oh, this guy, just what happened? And, and there's, no, there's no soft skills, there's no softening statements, there's no building the bonding and rapport with the customer. What got you from that guy into the guy that you are now? What made, what made the sales go up? Because it, I, I believe you in the way that you're sincere and you presented problems and customers said yes, but there's more to it. Mm -hmm. Analogies were always good. And that's something I picked up uh, here uh, and keyed in on them. So relate, you see a, a Babe Ruth baseball sitting on a nightstand while you're doing a plumbing inspection and you relate uh, whatever drain line you think needs to be replaced to baseball somehow and then the customer more clearly understands what you're talking about is what you mean. Something like that. Or, you know, it's, uh, I would try to draw on something that would be commonly known uh, that I could relate it to. Something in their field. Uh, you know, if you ha you're working with a doctor, it's easy to relate. Uh, preventative to maintenance. Preventative sure. maintenance, you know, dentist, you know, whatever. Um, Brian Tracy says that uh, in order for people, in order to make a sale, you've got to be a trusted consultant. And that was something I learned here as I uh, did sales training and so forth. Uh, but I always wanted to be looked on as that trusted consultant. And I, sales are very important. And I, you can't live without the sales. you got to have them. Uh, but I wanted my ability as a trusted consultant to drive the sales uh, rather than my, just my cold, hard knowledge to, 
to drive the sales. Sure. I, I uh, remember when we were in a truck together and your your ticket average was probably I don't know, 30, 40% less than it was when you came out of a truck. And I remember seeing, I mean, you were, I did my, my first day ride along with Ed and we ran two plumbing inspections together. And I think we ended up with a bottle of BioBen out of two calls that both homes needed so much done. Um, and I remembered thinking, Ed's, Ed's got this plumbing knowledge down. Like, he, he knows what he's doing. He knows what he's talking about. I even thought you explained it well, but the, the disconnect was in um, getting the homeowner to the point where they were ready to do business with you. And I think, I think just a little bit of soft skill training that we went through made that connection um, and unlike most people who really get into selling, Ed did enjoy it. I remember you really enjoying when you'd start making more sales and, mm-hmm. and getting better at it. But you didn't go headlong into the sales aspect like a lot of people do. You still went headlong into the mechanical aspect, but also sharpened the tip on the um, soft soft skills and, and went in on the uh, words to say, words not to say, phrases you would use, certain questions you would ask. I remember you you working quite a bit on being more nurturing, um, not only with the client, but, but even with the other technicians. Uh, and as a result of that, becoming much better at both re- relating to the client in a way they, uh, that they wanted to be related to. And the same with our technicians who at first, when you were promoted, thought you might come off as cold sometimes. And those soft skills are applicable everywhere. There's, there's nowhere that I mean, if you're if you're doing quote unquote sales training, you're just training and being a better communicator. You're training and getting your point across, right? In a way that that other people want to hear it and can relate it to themselves. And as a result, Ed's been very successful in the field and in management um, by being very open to training and really taking the bull by the horns in both aspects of his career. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Okay, Ed, uh, really good stuff today, and I, I want to give you the opportunity for the final word here on anything we missed on what an excellent plumbing inspection would incur. I mean, is there anything else that you feel would be relevant to a, a plumber, whether new or a veteran, uh, who is looking to kind of brush up on their plumbing inspection skills and make the next one better? Well, that, that could ca- uh, cover two different aspects. Uh, one would be technical, one would be mindset. Uh, I think the most important thing that you can key in on is your attitude toward the inspection, towards meeting that customer, towards doing the best thing you can do for them. And doing the best thing is not walking out of the house and saying everything's fine. Doing the best thing is finding issues that need to be taken care of. Um, you know, we talk about maximizing, maximizing opportunity, but, uh, you need to have a mindset that you are going to do the best possible thing you can do for that customer that's right in front of you. From a technical aspect, it's to have the knowledge to take care of it. And if you don't have the knowledge, get it. Great. Thanks so much for being on the podcast with us today, um, Ed. It was enjoyable hearing your perspective and your expertise on the subject. 
And uh, we do thank you for the many years that you've spent with us here at Ben Franklin and wish you well as you continue not only developing yourself, but as you play a critical role in teaching and bringing up the new generation. Thank you. Great to be here. So we can't let you go without doing a couple questions for you at the end. <laughs> I thought you were just uh, riding right past this, that. This Nate. was going to stop interview. I wasn't sure I wanted to look forward to it. <laughs> <laughs> Ed just got up and walked out. What the? <laughs> he grabbed a donut on the way. <laughs> All right, Ed, uh, question number one. What does the perfect weekend look like for you? Perfect weekend. Well, I tell you what. Uh, I have a deep faith uh, and missing morning Sunday morning worship is is not an option in my in my eyes. Uh, I want to be at church. It's a highlight of my week, uh, the worship service. Uh, so a perfect weekend always has that in it. Uh, Saturdays, oftentimes I do projects around the house, uh, whatever needs to be done. Spending time with my wife. Uh, spending time with our grandkids and my and my family are really big. Nice. Uh, and, you know, whatever that looks like. I like that. You know. All right. Uh, what is the standard Ed game in lunch? <laughs> well, <laughs> if my wife has the input on it, it uh, would be a salad and something <laughs> that I'd bring out of the refrigerator, maybe a leftover. Uh, most of my lunches, unfortunately, though, are kind of caught in the fly. I gotcha. Or if I... Even have a lunch. <laughs> All right. Um, what has been a career accomplishment that you are proud of in, in any of your careers? Um, uh, well, that's great. You know, it, it, working here has been the best decision I ever made as far as a, as a career a cho a choice. Uh, I've got quite a few accomplishments, uh, but the best one, um, this, just being here is, is one of the highest ones, uh, if not the highest one. Uh, boy, I'll tell you what, that's a tough question to answer. There's been, there's I was, been so many. I was sure you were going to say that uh, Ben Franklin pickup truck out in the parking lot. Well, that's, that's a good one, you know, and that's, that's great. But, you know, uh, to get to that truck, I drove a, a, a transit that uh, the radio barely worked in. So, <laughs> you know, at the end of the day, uh, uh, a vehicle is a vehicle. Nice. Uh, but it is nice to have. Um, Taking him out of that transit and presenting him the keys to that pickup was one of the highlights of my career, I will say that. <laughs> yeah, I, I looked forward to that for a good while. That's good. All right, Ed, uh, how do you like your potatoes? How do I like what? Your potatoes. My potatoes. Uh, typically um, um, uh, boiled brown butter. All right. All right, I can get down with that. And last, you, Nate, what's your um, Well, I would prefer that they are Frenched and fried. That's how I like my <laughs> potatoes. With much ketchup. <laughs> red skin are best. <laughs> oh, but I can get down with some red skin uh, brown butter potatoes, too. I'm yeah. good with that. Burton, do they have potatoes up there in Detroit? Uh, we, we did have potatoes. They, they were uh, sliced up and in a carton at McDonald's. <laughs> yep. All right, last one for you, Ed. Uh, what is one important skill that everyone should have? A desire to learn. Desire to grow. Desire to learn. Uh, 
desire to be open to change. Change is going to come. That's what makes history. Uh, so uh, rather than looking back and constantly saying it was better back then, hey, looking forward and seeing what's coming or what being open to what is coming, whether you know what it is or not, uh, I think is probably the one of the biggest skills you can come up with. I like it. And that is a good place to end. If you are looking to learn and continue learning yourself, we feel like we have a pretty good environment to do that. And we are always looking for people who have that mindset, uh, just like Ed was mentioning there. Uh, and also, if you liked what you heard here today on performing the most excellent plumbing inspection and making the most of every call that's in front of you, we want to hear from you also. Uh, we're always looking for people who are looking to take themselves to the next level, who are looking to make improvements, and who are looking to get better, essentially, and take care of business, uh, not only for the customer, but for themselves and their career and for their families and their own uh, personal pride. So we love that, and we're always looking for people who are into that. So check us out. You can find us at wastenoday.com. Look us up on Facebook. Give us a call. Hit us up in the comments, whatever it is. Uh, we want to hear from you. Remember that you don't want to spend your days wishing for more. There is an opportunity for you to take what's in front of you and grasp it. The choice is yours to wake up every single morning and choose to waste no day. This podcast is a production of the South Central Pennsylvania branch of Benjamin Franklin Plumbing, One Hour Heating and Air Conditioning, and Mr. Sparky Electric. <laughs>